Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Every believer is on a journey of faith, and the obstacles on this journey can be referred to as giants. The giants in our life are those obstacles that stand between us and God's promises or His divine plan for our lives. In today's message, we are going to talk about facing your giants in the spirit of fear from our series titled The Journey. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. Amen. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. So we're continuing our series titled The Journey, and this is a kind of a mini-series that we're doing called Facing Your Giants. Uh, Tell your neighbor, face your giants. Giants are defined, as we said, as anything that is presented to you as an obstacle from your adversary to keep you from what God wants you to have and God's expected end for you. So anything that manifests itself in your life as an obstacle is a giant. And it needs to be treated as a giant. And when we think about how we overcome giants, we overcome giants not by running from them. Amen. I've never seen anybody defeat a problem but from running from it. You might get away, but it's still out there. Amen? I remember I was young, and I thought I was in love with someone. And I was uh, all enamored. And she said, we should start a bank account. And that was the end of that. <laughs> I said, "Ain't love," because I, I'm not, I'm not inclined to share my money. Can't be love. <laughs> Amen. Now, I'm joking about that, but here's reality: that fear of being transparent and connected to somebody didn't go away just because that relationship didn't work. Amen. That was a fear in me. And she said a word that triggered my fear. And that fear caused me to run. But I ran, but I didn't kill the giant. And so you still move along in life, but you haven't done anything with the giant that presented itself to you. And so you get to a new place and you find out the giant came to that valley too. And you move to another place, and the giant's there. And you keep saying, man, why are all these giants out here? There's number one giant. (laughs) You run in it, you think it's a new giant. It's not. It's the same giant. And it's just following you. Because if we don't deal with giants, giants just appear in new places. Amen. If we don't deal with the giants that present themselves in our lives, we just run to new places. So then when I meet the woman who I really love and I connect with her, I still haven't dealt with the giant. Amen? And so now everything's aligned. I got a word from God. This is my wife. Guess what? Still got a giant. Still got to deal with that giant. Because he didn't leave, I just ran. Amen. In this book, 
of Numbers, we find the children of Israel have received a promise from God and have been led out of slavery. They are taken out of Egypt where they had become slaves. 400 years they had served the Egyptians. And they, as slaves, have been promised by God that I'm hear your cries and I'm going to deliver you. So they're delivered, brought out, taken out with a promise of going to a new land, except when they get to the land, God says, now, before you go in, I want you to pause for a moment. Take the best and the brightest from each of your 12 tribes. I want you to send them together and I want you to send them into the land that I'm showing you and let them bring you back a report of what they see. So the 12 individuals go out, one from each tribe, every one of them a leader in their own respect. And when they go out, they come back. And this is where we find ourselves picking up in this chapter. Verse 31 tells us, But when the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature, i.e. giants. Verse 33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And now we have the issue. Fear, when it comes, does two things. It ruins your own self-perception because it sees everything bigger than you. And it ruins your perception and even authors a perception about how other people look at you. Which sometimes is worse. It's one thing to think you're small. It's another thing to think everybody else thinks you think you're small. Amen? See, Fear comes and fear is designed as a giant to get you to submit to less than what you're told you're supposed to have. And so God promises them, he said, listen, I have taken you out of slavery. The hard part is done. I took you out from under a world ruler who said he was not going to let you go. So much so, I had to fight with him ten times to get him to release you. Then when he released you, not only did he release you, he gave a command to all the people to take their stuff and give it to you. Because it said they didn't leave poor. That the Egyptians gave them riches. They gave them stuff to leave. To take our money. Y'all just get out of here. (laughs) amen take the furniture with you amen you've been living here too long you got to go amen but even with that the crossing of the red sea miracles happening in the desert here they are at the edge of the promised land and god says all i need you to do 
is get your best people. Send them over. Not to see what's over there. See if what I said is true. I want you to prove. Just go look and see if what I promised you is actually real. Don't tell me about giants. Don't tell me about what's ob- I know there are obstacles over there. I just need you to go send your best people to go look. And when the best people looked, they didn't come back and say, yes, the land is great. As a matter of fact, they did say the land is great. They said the land is great, but. The land is everything God has said it was going to be. Get, look, we brought back these grapes. We brought back this fruit. We brought back a harvest from over there. We got all this stuff. Indeed, it is exactly what God said it is, except we can't have it. And that's what self-perception does. Self-perception makes you lose a game before you even put on your cleats. Amen. Self-perception. If your self-perception is off before you even get dressed for the game, you will yield a loss. <laughs> when we were kids, we used to get our schedule, right? When playing sports, you get your schedule and you start looking down the schedule and you start marking wins and losses before you even, the season hasn't even started. <laughs> oh, we, we got them, we got them. Oh, this we're going to lose this one. We got, what? <laughs> Amen, it's true. Amen. Because <laughs> you never go in thinking you can beat everybody. But you know, you're marking the calendar. You're marking, already marking the calendar. Win, loss, win, loss. Where did that come from? That come from Perception. That comes from perception. You looked at a giant over there and said, they're too big, they're too big, we're going to lose that one. <laughs> Amen. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm taking you somewhere to victory. But you can't win until you know the game. Amen. You heard you ever heard heard the story? A man showed up with a knife for a gunfight. <laughs> he got a problem on his hands, right? You playing the wrong game. You thinking you've been watching the Last Samurai. You thinking all the honor of this sword, but the sword ain't the game today. Amen. It's funny, right? It's true. You show up with the wrong game, you will lose. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered together at Sokuth, which belongs to Judah. Problem number one. The Israelites have the Philistines not calling them out to fight, they came to their land to fight. <laughs> they said, they, 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 the Philistines came to the land that belongs to Judah. That somebody came to your house to fight. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> hey, let me make it real. My wife told you we, we had that theft, right? They came to our house. They came to our house to fight. They didn't realize they were coming to fight. They thought they was coming in to steal. They came to fight. And we're treating it like a fight. Except we don't fight with flesh and blood. We fight with principalities and powers. And you know what? We're going to overwhelm those principalities and powers. They came to the wrong house. 
Amen. 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 Because <laughs> it ain't over. Uh-huh. She got that wallet back, but that ain't all we're going to get back. Amen. We getting all that stuff back. Amen. I'm telling y'all now. Listen, but you got to understand what you're up against. The Philistines gathered their armies. Not army. Armies. They brought multiple armies together to battle. And they were gathered together at Sokoth, which belongs to Judah. They encamped. They didn't just come. They made camp on their property. <laughs> Amen. They encamped between Sokoth and Aska in Ephraim's Damalin. And Saul, who's the king, and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. They said, okay, yeah, we're going, okay. They came to our property, we're going to fight. He gathered them together, they got in battle formation. They're going to fight, except one problem. Verse 3, the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cupids and a span, which means he was over nine feet tall. Right? And somebody said, oh, that's impossible. The tallest man ever measured is that we've measured is eight foot something. So it's easy for somebody to be nine foot something. Amen. So before people, for the analytical mind says, that's impossible for you. It's not impossible. Amen. Amen. Verse five. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed <clears throat> with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze which is about 125 pounds. Amen. So this dude is wearing 125 pounds worth of armor. And he had bronze greaves on his legs, shin guards, and <clears throat> bronze javelin between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, 18 pounds, and a shield bearer went before him. <laughs> then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me, and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel, the leader and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. Fear is real. Everybody suffers fear. Everybody gets afraid. Everybody deals with 
with concern and fear in some form or another at some time or another. Fact of the matter is most of us deal with fear all the time. Fear is one of your biggest adversaries and fear will keep you out of more things than fear will ever allow you into. Fear will stop you from doing things that you know that you could do because you're afraid of the giant. Fear will make you come out to war and freeze in your tracks. Because the enemy, the giant, is calling out and saying, you have no right to be here. Now, this is important for Christians because we're living in a season where there are lots of Philistines screaming. There are lots of Philistines out here screaming. And they're out there pumping fear to get the Christian to be afraid of who they are and be afraid to be what we're called to be. There are so many voices out here that cry out to us, that try to get us externally to be afraid. But there's a giant that's even more critical, which is the giant that's trying to live on the inside of you. Amen. I told y'all, I was a, I got bold one day. I said, I'm going to do my master's program at Stanford. Now, give you my background. When I graduated from high school, I was not the best student around. Not because I wasn't bright, but I just was not, I didn't have good study skills. I was not a good student. So I went to college and I dropped out of college. And I went back to college and I, dropped, I went back and forth in college. Yeah, 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 whatever. I, I finally, after what, 17, 18 years as a sophomore in college, went back to school and, <laughs> and <laughs> decided I was going to finish. And so I went and I finished my bachelor's degree and I said, okay, all right, I'm going to get a master's degree and I'm going to go to Stanford. And I decided I was going to Stanford and I got the application. I read all the stuff. I said, man, this program is, this program is me. I'm going to do this. And I started filling out the application and then all of a sudden I just got demotivated. I'm busy right now. And I, you know, I called the program. I talked to the guy. He was like, man, you sound like you're a great candidate. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And the giant inside me overwhelmed me. Because the giant inside me started talking to me about my, whether I should even attempt to go to Stanford. If you go to Stanford, what are people going to say about you? They're going to think you're uppity. They're going to they think you're full of yourself. If you tell people you go to Stanford, and then what happened? All the old voices from somewhere else started talking to me, and they made me freeze in my tracks. I froze so much that I never did. I didn't go. I froze. The man called me multiple times. Where's your, I'm looking for your app. Yeah, I'm going to send it in. My fear caused me to procrastinate until my opportunity left. Then the giant was done with his work. Amen. See, I'm telling you this because I need you all to understand. God will give you favor. God will put favor in your life. God will guide you to certain positions of favor. But if your giant hasn't been dealt with on the inside, then that thing will stop you from walking into the promises that God has for you.
The children of Israel on the edge of the promised land look over and see it is indeed what God said, except we can't overcome the giants. And those were giants outside. But the real problem were the giants inside. And the inside giants were their self-perception because they had been slaves for 400 years in Egypt. And they could not see themselves independently walking in and taking hold of what they were promised. Hmm. So what's your giant look like? (laughs) What's your giant look like? See, when it comes to facing giants, everybody's giant looks different. And my giant may not be your giant, but you got a giant. And see, what I had to do, I had to come back and I had to say, you know what? I'm going to overcome this giant. That opportunity passed. That window passed. But guess what? When this giant shows up again, I'm going to be ready for him. And I was ready when the giant came back again. When he came back again, I slew him. I slew him. I took him out. Amen. And guess what? Then there's another giant behind him. I'm getting ready to take him out too. Amen. Because once well, you get once you get giant blood in your taste, you're ready to fight. <laughs> but you have to first beat the giant. You got to defeat it. And the fear is the number one thing that most Christians have to overcome because the fear will lock us into positions. And sometimes the fear will manipulate us into not being where we're supposed to be, not doing what we're supposed to do and and always pursuing the wrong things because of the fear of doing the right thing. Amen. I was asking God to set me free. Oh, Lord, I'm praying. Oh, Lord, Lord, I need help. I need your help. I need your help, Lord. If you could just get me out of this thing. I need your help, the Lord says, slay the giant. I, Lord, I, I need you to help me, Lord. I need you to come down. Come down into heaven. Come down. Lord, bring your spirit down. Come on, Lord. You slay the giant. Come on. Lord, Lord no, no. I need you to help me. Yeah, yeah. I'll sing to you, Lord. I'll do this. He said, you get up and kill the giant. I gave you my anointing, which is God's supernatural power to get stuff done. I gave you a supernatural anointing to get stuff done. Get it done. Kill this giant. I've already sent what is required in you to take care of what needs to be taken care of. He didn't ask the children of of Israel to go measure the giants and find out how big they are. He said, just go in the land. Amen. Forty years later, the same giants are still in the land, but they went in then because they weren't filled with the unbelief and fear. Amen. Come on. Send a champion. Send me a champion. Wouldn't do it. They wouldn't go down. The Bible tells us that Saul, who Goliath called out by name, it says that he was head and shoulders above the rest of the children of Israel. He was taller than all the rest of them. A, a, guy, I was, a guy I work with, he's really relatively new in our building. So he came, he came and saw me one day. He said, man, you know, he said, uh, and he's about, he probably about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he said, man, you know, I'm used to being the tallest guy around. He said, I got to admit, man, he said, I was standing next to you and I felt kind of strange. <laughs> he said, I felt kind of strange, man. I'm, I'm used to being the tallest guy around. And then here you come. He said, yeah, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a fear thing, man. I said, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> he said, but I just felt strange all of a sudden because somebody bigger than me is in the room. Amen. So here's Saul, head and shoulders. He's bold. He's doing everything. He looked down that valley. He said, man, somebody bigger than me is down there. Where's the champion among us? 
I thought it was you, king. No, I'm looking for one of y'all. <laughs> Amen. See, Saul ran into his own insecurity. His insecurity froze him and not, and remember this, whenever you freeze, everybody with you freezes. Amen. We all exercise leadership at some point or another. And when we freeze, everybody with us freezes. They have to freeze because they're connected. We're connected to each other. So when I freeze, you freeze. Amen. When a parent freezes, the kids freeze. When husband freezes, the wife freezes. Whenever these things happen, we're connected. So the freezing, the fear, the things that come up, they lock us in and they cause us to not be able to enter into the promises that God has for us, which is why it's most incredible that we always have in our mind, remember the Lord Jesus. Amen. Remember him because he makes us righteous, gives us the Holy Spirit and causes us to be what we should not be ordinarily. Amen. Amen. James chapter one. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 is really critical. What were the children of Israel lacking in both situations? When they're standing on the mountain looking at Goliath and when they're getting ready to go into the valley, what are they missing? They're missing one thing. They're looking and they're perceiving the whole situation in terms of who they are. They saw us as giants and we saw ourselves Excuse me, they saw us as grasshoppers and we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. They looked out and they saw themselves in the circumstance. But here's what the Christian has at their disposal. James chapter one. Verse two, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various types of trials for the knowing that the testing of your what? Testing of your faith is producing patience. But patience isn't the final destination. Let patience have its perfect work. In other words, don't just try to be patient. Let patience do what it's supposed to do. It doesn't come to just make you sit and wait. It man comes to make you, form you, and shape you into perfection. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. Man. Lacking nothing. I think this is a different version, but that's okay. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Patience and steadfastness, the same thing. And let steadfastness have its full effect. I like that. Full effect. Let it have its full effect. In other words, your patience or your steadfastness is going to affect you. Let it have its full effect. Don't let partial effect. Let it have the full effect. Amen. Listen, when I used to wear afro, I used to braid it every night. You braid it every night. Got to braid it, right? You got to braid it so what you can do. So when you braid it, the next morning, it's going to have full effect. Because it's, it's been laying straight all night. And now when you go to comb it out, it's got full effect. You, I mean, your comb just glide through. Full effect. Full effect. Why? Because you took the time and the patience to braid it at night. And in the morning, you had the full effect. Everybody admired your effect. Amen. All the Afro wearers say amen. Come on. There we go. I know it's not alone. Amen. Full effect. Now, why is that important? Patience. 
means that you wait and you serve something in anticipation of it being better later. Let patience have its perfect work. When you come into trials, don't complain, don't fuss, don't be sad, don't go down in sackcloth and ashes, don't do all that. Let the patience have its perfect work. In other words, having done all to stand, stand in the middle of your trial, recognizing that the trial is producing a steadfastness in you that is making you perfect. And what you stand against tomorrow will not match what you are today. Amen. Now, you say, but I can't do that. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom. In other words, you say, man, I don't know how to stand in a trial. I don't know how to deal with that. I, I, you know, when I get into trials, I just break down. He said, okay. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. In other words, God's not trying to let you just fall. If you are worried about how you're going to deal with stuff, ask God. It means you need to take it to God in prayer. And listen, your prayer can't be, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Let him ask in what? What does it say? Let him ask in faith. With no doubting. In other words, when you go to God, God is pleased when we come to him and that we believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 6. Excuse me, 11 verse 6. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. In other words, when we got to ask of God, ask God in faith. Let God answer. When he answers, don't waver. Let me read you the King James version of this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. You know what liberal is? Freely. And without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. In other words, how we get things from the Lord is not by crying to God so that he feels sorry for us. Because I'm telling you now, God doesn't feel sorry for you. I hate to tell you, but he doesn't. God's mercy gave us Christ and the Holy Spirit to be in us. And now he wants to teach us how to use the Spirit of God on the inside of us. God's not going to feel sorry for us. So we're wasting our time when we just cry to God and not actually say, Lord, show me how. Lord, show me how you want to work through this. Lord, show me what you want me to do in this matter. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you see all things. You see the giant facing me. And Lord, you tell me how to take the giant's head off. And when you speak, I will obey. I was crying out for God to do something for me. I said, God, God, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Help me, Jesus, help me, help me. And I was in that sad place. Y'all know what you y'all know what it is. Help me, help me, help me, help me. I was crying, God, crying to God. God to help me, help me. And God said, I've already helped you. 
He said, now I'm going to instruct you. Now I'm going to show you the way that you should go. Because I've already spoken blessing over your life. I've already put the blood of Jesus over your life. I've already given you my stripes to be your healing, to sustain you, to finish your course. You cannot leave this planet. You're invincible, Derry. Now I want you to get up, rise up in the strength of the Lord. And now I want you to do what I told you to do. And when you do what I tell you to do, when you ask of wisdom from me, then what I will do is I will give you wisdom. And with the wisdom that I ask you to use, you will use it and you will overcome every adversary because he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. When you rise up and do what God has instructed you to do, when you do what God has commanded of you, when you say, yes, Lord. See, here's what, here's, here's what I'm learning. Uh, a, a, a man of God, uh, we, Tammy and I ran into him at, uh, one evening and we were talking. He said, he said brother, you've got to have this book. You got to get this book. He said, matter of fact, no, you don't got to go get the book. He said, I'm going to give you my book. I want you to come to my house. After you leave the house of soul, because yes, I was at the house of soul. After you leave there, come to my house and I will give you my book. Don't go buy one. You're going to get one tonight. I want you to read this book. Next 30 days, I want you to read this book. Meditate on what's in there. He said, God's got a revelation for you in there. So I went to his house that night. Me and Tim, we went to the house. He gave me the book. He prayed for me real quick. I left and went home. And the book, I'm reading a little bit here, reading a little bit here and there. And then this morning, I decided I'm going to read the whole book. So I woke up like 4.30 this morning. I usually get 4.30, 5 o'clock. I got up. I read the whole book. I said, hmm. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach. I was asking God for something, and I said, okay, thank you, Lord. I got my answer. The book wasn't the answer. The answer was the confirmation of what God already told me to do that I haven't done yet, that I need to do in order to move something that I need to move to another step. And so I had to then take action because now that I have a revelation, what comes after revelation? Application. You've got to apply it. Revelation is, is only pride if we don't apply what God says. Revelation without application is called pride. I know this, I know that. I don't care what you know, what you do. What are you doing what God told you to do? Amen? It's one thing to know, it's another thing to do. And application means you have to take what God says. And here's the issue. If anybody asks of wisdom, God is willing to give it to you. Whenever I find, encounter somebody, somebody tells me, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking... Let's just rewind what God said. Maybe not what God said today. Where did we miss God before? Because God gives wisdom. And sometimes wisdom is not used or activated. There's a passage that says, it says, uh, I'm not, no, I'm not going to go there. Let me stay here. But let them ask in faith with no doubting. Go to Romans 8. Romans 8. You can overcome your fear by obeying. Overcome your fear by obeying. How many of y'all learn how to ride a bike old school way? You, know, you guys know what the old school way was, right? 
Now kids be on, they be on training wheels, riding around. They be bouncing back and forth for a long time. When I was a kid, you just, they, you got a bike for Christmas, and they put you on the bike. <laughs> they just, they, they, they just, you know, and maybe, maybe you got one training wheel. You got, you know, you, you're right with that lean on the side. But usually what they would do is just get you up there. They help you balance and they would run with you. And they let you go. <laughs> Amen. No training wheels out here. You want to take them off? I'm not ready to take them off. If you can say you ain't ready to take them off, they're coming off. <laughs> Come on. They put you on there. They said, hold still. And now remember that fear. I'm out of control. I can't control this. Don't put your feet down. Come on, put your feet back up there. No, no, I'm going to fall. That, all that confession. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. Your fear is articulating your concern. I'm going to fall. I can't do that. You laying in the bed one night. And the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Says, I want you to do this. So I can't do that. I'm gonna, I got to go work on Tuesday. And uh, I got um, I got th- to do this. I got to do that. The Holy Spirit ain't going to stop talking to you. He's going to keep on talking to you. And it keep coming up. And you keep saying, oh, well, you know, I got uh, yeah, I got this. I got, uh, I got this going. I got you going to come up with all kinds of excuses. All those excuses are giants talking to you. All those excuses are giants, but they don't seem like giants because they're inside giants and not outside giants. And remember, a giant is assigned by an adversary to keep you out of what's promised to you. And the only way you slay that giant is to say, Lord, I'm asking wisdom of you. And when he speaks... Don't waver. Do what he said. Go to verse, uh, what are we going to do? We're going to Romans 8, right? Romans 8, verse 15. Romans 8, verse 15. We open service with this this morning. Amen. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Anything that's a fear in your spirit is not from God. Amen. Anything that's a spirit. And again, I'm not talking to your mind right now because I know you know this. I'm talking to your spirit because the question is, what are we going to do with this revelation? What are we going to do with the revelation that we have not been given a spirit of fear? You did not receive the spirit of bondage. In other words, a torment. Bondage. You're not called or or designed to be in bondage. Amen? I found myself in bondage uh, one season in life. I realized I'm in, why am I in bondage? How am I in bondage? And then all of a sudden, voices from the outside, well, that's where you're supposed to be. It wasn't those words, but that was the sense. You're supposed to be there. You're supposed to be in this bondage. I'm thinking, man, I don't, I don't know. But I realize at some point 
the bondage was dominating because of fear. And that all I had to do was stand up. And the fear would have to leave. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. In other words, if you're in a, if you're in a tight place, you have to call on your father. Abba. Father. And your father will do what my father did. He says, son, you can ride this bike. Let's go. And he ran on the side of me until I started going. And eventually I was going too fast for him. He let go. See, your fears, that's the way it is in your life. God's going to run with you with your fears. But you've got to call him father and say, I know you're with me. There's a certain confidence when your father's holding the bike that you're not going to fall. It's your concern he's going to let go. But guess what? God's not going to let go. God's not going to let go of you. Amen. David said this. He said, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed out begging for bread. Why? He said, because they're righteous. He said, when I was young, I saw it. Now that I'm old, I see it. God never forsakes the righteous. And guess what? Your righteousness is not based on you. Your righteousness is based on Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Your Christ in you, the hope of glory. But what Christ in us needs us to do is not be afraid to be what we are. Not be afraid to be what we've been designed to be, what we're called to be, and what God desires for us. We cannot be afraid of those things. Because if we're afraid, the enemy will will always hold us in check. And I know Christians who are somebody, I sent somebody a text the other day. Holy Spirit, I woke up and Holy Spirit told me to send them a text. So I sent them a text and I, I called out the mission on their life. And they ignored my text. They responded back saying, thank you. But they didn't respond to the message. Because I called out something. And I know there's a fear there. And I spoke to it. And I'm going to keep on speaking to it. I'm going to keep calling it out. Because it's got to come out of them. And I'm going to stand shoulder to shoulder with them while we overcome this giant. Because this person has a special anointing on their life to do something, but they're resisting doing it because it's uncomfortable and it's going to require them to face a giant that's been there for a long time. Guess what? We're here to be overcomers. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I'm an overcomer. Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. And we're going to close you out with this one. 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what the, what the enemy did. When the enemy chose to motivate someone to break into our house, this is what he set in motion. What he set in motion is what Tammy said first. Okay. We're gonna, we, now we're united with the police force. Now we got police officers' faces, names, and we know exactly what their fears are. We're going to be in agreement with prayer for them. We're going to cover them in prayer. We're going to cover this police department. We're not going to be moved by other things. We're going to cover them in such a way that we're going to make sure that they are totally 
covered. We're praying for a full revival to break out in the police force and that they all call on the name of the Lord Jesus, operate in the fullness and the righteousness of God. They're going to be blessed going in and blessed coming out. Their reputation and their names are going to be straight. And if there's anything wicked in them, it's going to be weeded out by the Holy Ghost. Not as our enemies, but we being intercessors for them. Remember we read in Habakkuk chapter 1 how it said lawlessness abounds and the law has no power. It's already written in the Bible. So what did he say? Verse chapter 2, write a vision and make it plain. What's God's vision? God's vision is the police force in the city of Vallejo be established as a place where there are men and women of God who love him and are protected by him and are able to enforce the law without excessive violence. Write a vision and make it plain. And so now, as Tammy is able to see and show them, this is what we wrote about you. Now they can run with what we write. They can run with what we write. Why? Because we have been given not the spirit of fear. Look at this. Paul's talking to Timothy. He said, therefore, I want to remind you, Timothy. I want to remind you, you're gifted. I want you to not... Be afraid. I want you to stir up the gift of God that's in you. Because you got to remember what Timothy was. Timothy was a young man who found himself in ministry because his mother and his grandmother had known Paul and they had had a relationship. And now Timothy, through his relationship with these people, had got pulled into ministry. And so now here he is, a young man. And here he is working with Paul. And Paul says, go tell these people this. Go tell these people that. And so he said, I got to go represent Paul. He said, therefore, I want to remind you, stir up the gift that's in you. You don't need me. You don't need me. You don't, hey, man, you don't need me there. I'm sending you with your own gift, your own anointing. <laughs> I lay my hands on you. I identified with you. I connected with you. I believe in you. And remember, gifts don't come through the laying on of hands. Gifts are called out through the laying of hands. Gifts come from the spirit of God. They don't come from human beings. Human beings can't impart gifts to each other. All human beings can do is call out those gifts. Amen? Amen. Don't wait for somebody else's mantle because they might still be wearing it. Amen? Come on. They don't give you a gift because somebody's still wearing their mantle don't mean you're supposed to freeze. That's another giant talking to you. Amen. Come on. All right. Come on. Come on. Through the laying on of my hands for God has not given us. Paul said, I'm like you. Not see, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. In other words, not all of us are dealing with fear. But it's not a spirit that God gave to us. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? Come on, y'all say it like you're reading it. Come on. And a sound mind. You have not been given a spirit of fear. Fear that doesn't come from God. The fear, the fear that we have in us is not from God. Which means that if it's not supposed to be there, God says you have the right to evict it. Amen. You have the right to evict fear out of your life. And how do you do it? Stir up your gifts. Stir up your gifts. Stir up your gifts. Stir up your gifts. 
I called your gifts out. I showed you what your gifts are. I showed you how they work. Now, I'm calling them out of you, and now I want you to stir up those gifts and remember you don't have fear that comes from God. What did he give us instead? He gave us power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me. <laughs> You're going to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Come on, do I have to take y'all back to that $75 in the laundry? Come on. Come on, y'all was all excited. Ooh, I said $75. Ooh, y'all, ooh. Come on. You're going to be witnesses, not of $75, but of Jesus. You're going to be witnesses of him. To who? To all the world. <laughs> Come on. End of love. He gave us the spirit of love. The love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit has put love in your heart. Like I told you, people get on my nerves. But the love of God overwhelms that. The love of God makes me love on people when I personally can run out of love. I was loving on somebody. Loving on somebody. Loving on somebody. And they did something to me, and I wanted to give them the hand. God said, no, you're going to love them. So I had to pull it down, and I had to keep on loving out of the Spirit of God. Loving out of the Spirit of God. And whenever I got harsh words, I start saying, man, I'm fussing about something. God said, no, be quiet. Walk in love. Walk in love. Father passed away. My stepmother, we made agreements. All the property, this is what we're going to do. As soon as I leave, she changed the locks on the house and did everything. I'm like, what? <laughs> My brother called me and said, hey, man, I don't, I'm sorry, man. She, she just decided it's hers. Got a free and clear house in Los Angeles. What do you mean it's hers? <laughs> <laughs> My father had written out his living trust. He got me as the executor. He's got everything else. They've been divorced for 14 years. What do you mean it's hers? I'm ready to fight. I'm going to fight for what's mine's, right? And the Holy Spirit says, shut your mouth. Holy Spirit said, don't fight. He said, I'm your inheritance. Let it go. Let it go. So I let it go. I let it go, and six months later, my stepmother passed. And guess what? I still didn't get the property. But you know what I got? I got peace of God. And anything I would have gained in that, God has been able to restore because the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to God. I don't need somebody to die to get what's coming to me because I cry out, Abba, Father. And the Father does for me. The Father takes care of me. The Father gives me what I don't have access to. And I've had more blessing as a result of letting go than I would have ever had in trying to hold on. But, but this is what will happen. Your fear will speak to you in the moment. Your fear will tell you, don't let somebody take advantage of you. Don't let somebody do this to you. You're going to look like a fool. You're going to look like a sucker. Guess what? I don't care. 
I don't care. Why? Because I know that God has got me. Come on. I know God's got me. You know what the, you know what the inheritance my parents gave me? This is what my parents gave me. They gave me a sin nature. <laughs> Ain't trying to hold on to that one. Amen. Come on. They, they, I inherited a sin nature from them. I'm not trying to hold on to that. So why am I trying to hold on to this house? Come on, man. Come on. Listen. Come on. Don't let giants fool you. Amen. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. You are not crazy. You have not lost your mind. You have the right mind when you have the mind of Christ. Amen. Come on. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. You got the mind of Christ. You got a right mind. Amen. 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 Come on. The word. If you, know, if you think, oh, I lost my mind, then go to your Bible and stick with the Bible. And your thoughts will get clear. Amen. Come on. Come on. Listen, here's where here's where we're going with this. Everybody's got a giant. Stand on your feet for a moment, please. You've got a giant in your life. And you've got to know that you're not crazy for saying the giant is not supposed to be here. And see, we live in a season right now. We live in a season where we've 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 lost that We've lost that fire. And we know a lot of things. This is the age of information, so we've got a lot of knowledge. We've got a lot of knowledge, a lot of knowledge. But the knowledge is stalling at the knowledge phase. It's not becoming full revelation sometimes. And that full revelation is not allowing us to then really take the word of God and use it for what God has called us to use it for. And so my prayer for you today is that you hear these words and that you engage your giants. That you engage your giants. You take your giants and you engage them. You engage them by first saying, I have not been given spirit of fear. Fear is not my natural state. Fear is not my natural design. Fear is not what God intends for me. Living in fear is not where God wants me to be. Therefore, I will not fear. I see Goliath. I see his size. I see his armor. I see what he has with him. I see the whole army that he has behind him over there. That if by some reason I defeat him, I'll have to face them. I see it. I see crime around me. I see things happening in my community. I see these things, yet I will not fear. I will not fear. I will not fear because God is with me. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He leads me beside the green pastures. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will fear no evil because thou art with me. Yes. We fear no evil because he's with us. And then he gave us a rod and a staff to comfort us. And if we will continue walking through the valley, he will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies.
our cup is going to run over. Come on. And goodness and mercy going to follow us every single day of our lives because the Lord is our shepherd. Now David was able to say that the Lord was his shepherd. But I got another one. The Lord is my father. (laughs) See, he was David's shepherd. He's my father. The Lord is my father and I shall not want. Glory to God. The Lord is my father. He's my Abba. I shall not want. He's leading me and guiding me by his Holy Spirit. (laughs) Amen. And though I'm walking on this world, the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear any evil whatsoever because he has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Woo, come on. Woo, come on. And when he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, I tell my enemies to sit down and eat with me. Come on now. He prepares a table and I say, you are my enemy, but you're going to sit down with me. And you're going to eat with me. I ain't afraid of you. And I ain't afraid of the horse you ran in on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. We need to worship God for this. We need to worship the Lord. We need to worship him for this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. My cup is running over. Hallelujah. Woo. Some of us have been waiting for our cup to run over. He said, now you need to just say, let it run over. Let it run over. Hallelujah. Lord, let it run over on me. Hallelujah. Lord, let it run over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. Out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Overflow of rivers pouring out of them. Your cup runs over, not from the outside, but from the inside. Hallelujah. Come on. Your cup is running over if you ask him, Lord, let it run over. Hallelujah. Let it run over in me right now. Hallelujah. Let your Holy Spirit run over in me right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord. I thank you for overflowing, running through me. Overflowing, overflowing by your Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your overflowing Holy Spirit. And I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Hallelujah. That not only follows me, Lord, it gets on those who I lay my hands on in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy flows out of me in the name of Jesus. Goodness and mercy flows out of me in the name of Jesus. Goodness and mercy flows out of me in the name of Jesus. Goodness and mercy in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Goodness and mercy. Hallelujah. It's not just following me. It's pouring out of me in the name of Jesus. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy is following me and pouring out of me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Every day of my life. 
every day of my life. Every day of my life. Hallelujah. Every day of my life. Hallelujah. I'm not counting my days anymore. I just know every day is coming out of me. Every day. Hallelujah. Every day. In the Old Covenant, in the old covenant they had to be taught to number their days. Hallelujah. I don't have to number my days. Every day is a good day. Every day is a blessed day. Every day is a day without fear. Because when fear arises, I slay that giant in the name of Jesus. Through my confession, through my declaration, I declare, Ah, my God has given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Woo! Glory to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, overflow, overshadow, overtake your people today. From the inside of us, let the spirit which you have given, because you didn't give us a spirit of fear, but you gave us your Holy Spirit. Let your Holy Spirit rise in the hearts of your people right now. Let everyone in this room be filled to the overflow with your Holy Spirit. We bind every spirit of fear. It's trying to pose itself between your people and the promises. I thank you, Lord, you promised that you would be with us. You promised us we'd have the love of God to pour on to others right now. You promised us that we'd have gifts and talents and abilities flow out of us by the Holy Spirit. You promised us we'd be well. Hallelujah. We fulfill our course. We'd be alive every day. And you promised us you would provide for our every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So Father, right now we thank you that no giant will overtake us. No thing will control us. But we're listening for your voice. We will follow and obey in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message titled, Facing Your Giants, The Spirit of Fear, from our series titled, The Journey. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. On our media page, you can catch our live-streamed worship service, which is broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. Also, feel free to join us for our live services any Sunday morning right here in the city of Vallejo, California. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.